The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. All right, thank you for being here. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we have a ton of extras. And if you don't own a Bible for some reason, this is our gift to you. You can keep it. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring one to you. Uh, for those of you who have your Bible ready, turn to Acts chapter 2. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. God, thank you that you also promised not to leave us as orphans. But Jesus, when you said you were leaving, you said it was better that you would go so that the Father would send another. And today we're reading about what this other is, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I pray, God, that as we look into your Word now, you would open up our hearts and minds to understand it and to receive it and to be transformed by it. So speak to us now. God, give me the words you want me to share. In your name we pray. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, we started a series called The Holy Spirit. Um, We decided to do this because a lot of times in our church circles, um, we hear a lot about Jesus. We have symbols of crosses where Jesus died on the cross. It's a beautiful picture of love shared for us. Jesus demonstrated love for us by laying down his life and going on the cross on our behalf, allowing his blood to be shed. The scriptures say that he shed his blood to forgive us of our sins. Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years um, and never sinned. And yet while on the cross, the scriptures tell us that he took our sins upon himself. He who knew No sin became sin in our place. And the scriptures tell us that out of his love for us, he did that and made it possible to to extend forgiveness to anyone who would receive it and believe it and ask for forgiveness in his name. And so we understand, many of us, um, even if you don't go to church very often, if you've heard of Jesus, you understand he's called God's son, we get that part of the Trinity part of God in the Bible. We've heard of God the Father. Some some call him the big man upstairs. Uh, Many people who don't even believe in God, when they're in times of trouble, they'll pray to a God that they may not even know. We've heard of God the Father. And the Old Testament, God the Father was kind of the primary force of of the Trinity um, who interacted with mankind. He would speak to people sometimes directly, other times through prophets. And we've heard of God. As God was the primary force, Jesus then came. God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And God the Father sent God the Son. The Bible says there's one God, so how is this possible? How can there be Jesus and God and yet there be one? And sometimes that can be hard to fathom. There are actually three distinct beings within the Godhead. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, while on earth, said, I am here to do the will of the Father. I'm here to teach about the kingdom of God. And I'm here until I accomplish my purpose. And my purpose is to die for you on the cross, but to not stay there, to conquer sin and death and rise again for the salvation of the world. And if you put your hope and faith and trust in me, you can become a child of God. And don't worry, I'm leaving. And it's going to be best that I leave. 
If I leave, the Father will send another, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he will live in you and be with you. And so that's what we've been diving into, is the understanding of the Holy Spirit. Many of us think it would be so cool just to have Jesus here in flesh. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind that. I'd love to physically walk up and feel the Neil, Neil Pierce hand and to look in his eyes and to even hug Jesus. That would be amazing. Many of us think Jesus was here and our dog died, he could resurrect our dog. Or if our cat died, he could do the funeral. And that was presently funny. A lot of us want to be able to touch God. And one day, this Bible does tell us that we will be reunited with him, that we will be resurrected, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Some people think we'll do a whole series on end times sometime in the future. Um, some people think you go to heaven forever, but the Bible says that we'll actually dwell on earth with Jesus again. The earth will be recreated, and there will be a new heaven. And all of that is in store for us. But what about the here and now? What's going on now? Jesus said, as I go, there will be another. He will come. And this is the Holy Spirit. Now, up until where we are in our story today, Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has at times come for seasons of strength, seasons of power, seasons of courage. There are Old Testament stories. People like Samson, who was given strength, and the Holy Spirit came upon him and strengthened him for a certain act of strength. But here in the book of Acts, we see the promise of Jesus fulfilled. Over the last couple of weeks, have your notes. I'm going to kind of start getting into some of those. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I've laid down a couple foundational pieces for us to all understand. First of all, the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. God the Father is God. They all three exist at once. They all have their own will. They all have their own purpose. But they all are God. They all are one God somehow. And when we get to heaven, God can help us understand how that all works. But the first thing you need to realize is that Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to give extraordinary power. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, Jesus was talking to his closest friends. They believed in him. They had spent the last three years of their life with him. They had seen him perform acts of mercy and mighty miracles. They had, you could, you could argue that they were the best suited and best fit to go and to carry on the mission and, 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 and start right away. But Jesus told them, wait. It's not enough that you've just spent time with me. It's not enough that you've witnessed what I've done. You need more than that. You need power. And so he told them in Luke chapter 24, stay in the city and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Go and wait in the city and continue to pray until the Father sends the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power, extraordinary power, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. So the first point we lay down is that there is power to be received. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to tap into that power. 
we need to come to Christ daily for his uh, renewal, for his refreshing, for his filling. It's one thing you could say, now this cup right now, it's not the clear cup I've been using. This cup has water in it. It's not full, um, but it does have water in it. When we become believers in Jesus Christ, at the moment that you come to realize that you are broken, that you have sinned, how many of you have sinned? I still struggle with sin. And as Paul said, Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. The things I know I shouldn't do, I still do. The things I know I should do, I don't always do them. Though That's sin. All of us struggle with sin. Even as children of God, we will struggle in this life with sin. The Holy Spirit is, though, in us. And the Bible says that at the moment that we put our faith and trust in him, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit. He's put into our life. So you, as, as you put your faith in Jesus and, and God the Father, as you've given your heart to him and asked him to come into your life, the Father has put in you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you believe in him. But there's a difference between having something in you and being filled by something. It's two different states. And many of us, we live life with God in us, but not with God filling us. And this whole series has been trying to get to a place of understanding our mission. It started with John chapter 20, 21. Jesus said, all right, I just died for everyone. I'm now standing before you. Thomas, you doubted me, but now you've felt the, the, the nail holes in my hand. You've touched my side. You know I'm not a ghost. I just ate with you. And so I've done my part. And as the Father sent me, now it's your turn. I'm now sending you. But wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And when he comes, you'll have the power to do what I've sent you to do. And so that's where we are today. We see that we need power and power for a mission. Not just power to go out and freak people out on street corners by levitating and doing weird tricks. You know, that would all be for glorifying ourselves. God gives us power to accomplish the mission of sharing his love with this lost and dying world. We have the mission, the same mission that Jesus came, to share the Father's love. We now have that mission. And as the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit now exists, not just to live in us, but to fill us with his power so that we can accomplish the mission that he has established for us. And premise number three, the mission is called the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew. Book of, uh, book of Matthew, chapter uh, 28. He says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teach them everything I've taught you. Show them my love. Teach them about forgiveness. Baptize them and make disciples of all nations. In Matthew, chapter 24, it says, And this gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. How many of you have heard that there are many nations that do not have the gospel? I told you about the library at the Bible Museum. Over half the library is filled with books representing the languages and people groups in our world who have not yet heard the name of Jesus. Recent statistics show approximately 7,000 people groups still do not know Jesus. 7,000 people groups. 
Wycliffe Bible translators estimate that about 1,600 languages are, are still without the written word of God. We have a lot of work to do. The mission is still needing to be accomplished, and we still need the power in order to accomplish the mission. So, there is a power. There's power for the mission. The mission is not yet accomplished. Therefore, the conclusion is the same power that God poured out and demonstrated in the Bible is still available for us today to accomplish the mission. How many of you are called to accomplish this mission? I'm glad there's like six or seven of us out there. That's great. Every single person who has been bought by the blood of Jesus is called to the same mission to take his love those who do not yet know him. Jesus is there to demonstrate and set an example for us. His spirit is there to empower us and lead us into the mission. Throughout history, we have heard of reformations and great awakenings and great times of revival. All of them have happened by the moving and power of the Holy Spirit. There was a preacher by the name of D.L. Moody who lived in Chicago in 1871. He, was, he tells this in, uh, a, 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 what do you call it, you write about yourself, a biography. He said he would, he would preach, and um, while he was preaching, there were these two little ladies. You guys have to be sitting there. Um, two little ladies who would sit on the front row, and they would just pray from the start of the service to the end. And he said it kind of distracted him. It drove him mad that he would be trying to preach the gospel, and he would hear these two women's voices praying for him every service. Finally, he went to them one time and said, is everything okay? Is there something I can pray with you about? And they said, we're praying for you. We're praying that God would fill you with power as you preach. And it, it, he, he says that it rubbed him wrong. He didn't know exactly how to take it. Finally, about a year into it, he gave in, and he started meeting these two women, and they would pray together every Friday. Well, the great Chicago fire happened. It took his church building, it took his home, and he had some friends in New York that he decided to go and visit, and they were well-to-do, and so he hoped that he could go and maybe get some funds and get his ministry back up. He writes how the season before that was kind of dry. While he felt like empowered and passionate to teach the word of God, there weren't a lot of new people coming to Jesus. There weren't a lot of new converts. But he was still being faithful and teaching the word. And he writes these words. I think I wrote it in my notes. Um, maybe I did. Yes, I did. One day, this is on the back side. I, I, I skipped skipped part of the notes, under the word suddenly. One day in the city of New York, oh what a day, I cannot describe it, and I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds of people were now being converted. 
I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me the whole of my life. It would be small dust in your eyes. There are going to be times and seasons in our life when the Holy Spirit suddenly shows up. I put that word suddenly there because it's in the text. Let's look at the text. When the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The day of Pentecost. Why this day? Pentecost in the Jewish calendar was one of three important times in the year when Jews, no matter where they lived in the world, would pilgrim back to Jerusalem and come together. And there were Jews who would come together, and there were converts to Judaism. Many people from around the world, speaking different languages, would travel for this season of Pentecost. That's one of the first reasons. And that, I went back to the day of Pentecost. This was a Jewish holiday where many would come together. The second reason is Pentecost, according to Exodus chapter 23, 16, and Deuteronomy 16, was also known as the celebration of the Feast of Harvest. It was a time when it was time to go out and harvest everything you planted. I believe that this is a perfect day for God to unfold the harvesting of those he loves. And on this day, Pentecost, I believe that Jesus chose to suddenly come at his time in choosing, at a time of harvest. He had gathered all the peoples from many nations and different languages all to one place, and he shows up like he had never shown up before. The day of Pentecost had come. You see, the disciples had been told in chapter 1 and in Luke 24, but there are accounts of the same story. Luke is writing both of them book of Luke chapter 24, he writes the second letter, the book of Acts, and he talks about the same happening. Jesus is with his disciples, he's eating with them, I'm about to go guys, it's now your turn, but wait, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you power. And so that happens, they're praying. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it says, they all had joined together constantly in prayer. When was the last time that could be said of us? that we're constantly praying. I mean, we, we have a prayer time once a month. Is that enough? We have about 20 people to show up for our church's prayer time. We've got about 400 people that may go, what percentage of the 120 that we get to show up? It's not enough. I know that. But I know you don't have to show up to my house to pray. I know many of you are faithful and you're praying. I know some of you would, I, I believe I could say you're praying constantly. But I believe God needs all of us start praying constantly for one another, for those God has placed around us, praying constantly for the mission to reach our part of the world, Northern Virginia, with the gospel of Christ. In verse 14, they all had come together. They were in this upper room. They were together praying constantly along with men and women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there and Jesus' brothers. Do you know that Jesus' brothers grew up not believing in Jesus. Did you know that? James, the the book of James. James didn't even, oh, I guess you died on the cross and came back to life. You must be Jesus. You must be the Messiah. He didn't even know until after his own brother died. And they're there. 
praying. And they're all praying. They're praying. Okay, Jesus said that God was going to send another. We're going to receive power of some sort. What is that about? This is kind of weird. How many of you, when you're sitting at church and you hear someone talking about Holy Spirit power, you're like, this is weird. This is a bit weird. Yeah, I grew up thinking, what is that? That's some weird, that just sounds, yeah, that's, that's like for Star Wars, okay? Weird stuff. They all were there. They were all praying together and waiting. And I could see it that morning. The, fe- the festival had come. People are starting to arrive in town. They're encouraging each other. They might be having some praise and worship time, um, singing some hymns that David had written. They're quoting to each other maybe Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, God shows up in a way he had never shown up before. The Holy Spirit comes down, and look what happens. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. It startled them. They look around. They look around, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. I can't even imagine what that would look like. But they saw this, and the tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. I believe this was God giving them a supernatural, extraordinary power. They were already believers. I believe that the Holy Spirit was already deposited in them. But now, all of a sudden, they were going from having a little bit of God in them to being completely immersed, completely filled. I'm sure in some of them, they were wondering, what's going on? I mean, just 40, 50 days ago, they killed Jesus. We didn't see that coming. I'm sure some of them had doubts. Some of them had uncertainty. Some of them had fear. They didn't know what to expect. All of a sudden, this sound and this wind and this weird vision of flaming tongues What is that? Verse 4. All of them that were there were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying there in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, so there was something so loud that people that weren't in the house were drawn to it. And so they start coming. When they hear the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment. What is going on? And each of them heard what was being spoken in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked one another, Are these men not Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them speaking in our own native tongues? Parthians, Medes, Alamanites, Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, and we're all hearing them declare, what are they hearing? Them declare the mighty wonders, the mighty works of God. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this even mean? Some, however, 
made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They're drunk. They're babbling. What is going on here? Is this some story that we're just supposed to read and go, wow, that's weird, and never look back at it again? This is the beginning of the church. This is the beginning of the harvest of the world, the festival of, of, of harvest. The day of Pentecost was not just a random day chosen. This is God sending down his spirit in power like never before to fill the hearts of believers, to empower them to be able to reach those who have not yet heard the word of God. Unfortunately, when we hear the term Pentecostal, especially in church circles, we don't think about the day of harvest. We think about weirdness, and we think about weird tongue-speaking languages. And we're not going to get into tongues too much today. We don't have time. But in two weeks, we're going to tackle it a little bit. I'm going to do the best I can with God's help. But today, we need to see that the Holy Spirit is given for the purpose of the mission. All these people who spoke different languages, imagine each and every one of you, maybe two or three speaking Spanish, two or three speaking French. You name the language, and I'm up here teaching, and there's no, I mean, we have a translation system back there. I don't think we're using it today. But there's no translation headsets out. Miraculously, somehow, you all are hearing me declare the praises and the wondrous works of Jesus in your own language. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. And that's what the Holy Spirit did this day. There are other times when the Holy Spirit shows up in power and tongues aren't used. Tongues are not the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is not in Scripture. Tongues happen at times when Jesus says, and God says, and the Holy Spirit says, you know what, I need you to speak German. Boom, you got German. Other times, Paul refers to a prayer language, the tongues of angels. What is that? We'll get into that in a couple weeks. But here the focus is not tongues. The focus is not the effects of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Here the focus is the Holy Spirit is given in power to empower them for the harvest, for the mission. And in the same way, you and I sit in these rooms each Sunday, and we come together for what? My hope is that we come together for a reason. We come together to seek the filling, the continual filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to be equipped and enabled and empowered and impassioned, Those disciples who were one time nervous and afraid and hiding behind a locked door are now on the rooftops, proudly proclaiming, boldly with courage, the love of God and his mighty works. And how you who do not know our God, we want to tell you all about him. He came suddenly. times when God has come and wind and fire. There are times God has shown up and buildings shook. There are times God showed up and Stephen's face shone like an angel. Samson was given mighty strength. The Holy Spirit will come and he'll do whatever's needed at the time and season to be done. 
And we have to be careful that we don't look at those and compare our experiences with somebody else and think we've missed something. I don't have the gift of tongues, but I know some of you sitting in this room have the gift of tongues. God has given me other different gifts. And the Holy Spirit gives us each different gifts as He chooses, all for the same purpose, the, the, the harvest of the world. Sharing God's love with those who do not yet know. At the end of this time, there are two groups of people. The first group in verse 12 says they were amazed and perplexed. Wow, this is crazy that this has happened. What in the world does it mean? How has this happened? And I believe that that group is the group from which we keep reading on after explaining to 14 down to 28. Explains what Peter was saying. another group. In the first group, they were amazed. They were perplexed. What does this mean? They ask one another. They talk with the disciples. They come to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Some, however, made fun of them. They're drunk. Brushed it off. Went on with their lives. That isn't just believers and unbelievers. Sometimes that happens we see the movement of God in miraculous ways, you know, to be honest, it wasn't until Ella Gleason, are you here in the room? Ella Gleason. I had never, until the day we were in the hospital with Ella Gleason, I cannot say that I've ever seen a healing of any sort. I prayed, I prayed for many of you that God would heal you. We've heard people share and come to church and say, you know, I've got cancer. Is Patricia here today? Patricia, a couple years ago, came and shared with us that she was going in for a biopsy, and she had discovered cancer, and the next visit, they were like, it's gone. We don't, we can't explain it. But I, I was at the hospital. Ella Gleason was having major, major surgery, like 10, 12, 14 hours, and she had later, Lori comes in the waiting room of the ER, and she's just crying. Oh, my God. This is the day that she was that she was ill. She can't move. On, on one side, she can't move. Basically, mid, mid down. 
Can we just start praying? I, some of you have heard Gary preach. He's crazy, crazy. And uh, he's praying for God to come in power and to heal. And we know the doctors have done all they can, and we're, we're praying that that works. But there's some things that only God can do. And we're praying for that. We, they allow us to get back in the room. And we're in the room, and we see the nurse there, and she's doing some tests. The doctor's there. Like, the whole room's in there, and they're trying to figure this out. And you just look at their face, and I'm just like, oh, this is They're doing this reflex stuff, and there's nothing. She's not able to move her leg at all. So, uh, Lori says, can we pray? And the doctor says, yes, by all means. And they kind of clear the bed, and Gary and I get on one side, and the family surrounds, and we're just praying. And we're just praying for God to restore and um, while we're praying, all of a sudden, Jack Gleason comes going. He starts like going, who, who, who? Like, I'm like, is he all right? Someone, whoa, ah, whoa. And I open my eyes, and Ella's foot is moving, and he's freaking out. And he's like, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. And the doctor comes up and puts his hand on my shoulder and says, keep praying. And it was the first time in my life I've ever, oh, my goodness. The Holy Spirit showed up. Ella's now running around, and I don't want to say too much. She's doing great. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is here to give us power for the mission so that souls will come to know who Jesus is. And if you don't know Jesus and you're here today, my hope and prayer is that this message does not appear to you. Is that you would know that this is all motivated by a Father who loves us will do anything. He'll move mountains to reach us if he has to. He is here to bring you hope and healing in a way that nobody else can. He wants to come. He wants to move in your life. He wants to empower those of us who know him that we can use his instruments in his hands to reach those who do not know him. The Holy Spirit came the day of Pentecost to begin the harvest for harvest is not yet ready. We need him now as much as we can operate in him. Father God, I pray on behalf of this church that we would become a people who are wholeheartedly seeking you and the power that you offer. Not so that we have some kind of weird story that we can tell, but so that we can become filled of love and the joy. Your scripture says that the fruit that comes from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace in hard times, patience when we need it, gentleness, self-control. God, we need these fruits in our life so that we can live the kind of lives you call us to live, so that when those who do not know you 
See the way that we live. See the way that we have peace when our world is falling apart. See the way that we can have confidence and strength when our families are suffering. See the way that we can have joy in the midst of hardship so that they can see it and see the Spirit in our life and come to know you, our Father in heaven. God, I pray that our church would become full of your presence, your power, and your Spirit. That we would not be afraid of what the world is going to think. That we would not be afraid of what our co-worker will think if we share with them the love and the hope that we know they need. So God, give us your courage. Give us your boldness. Give us power like we've never seen before. I invite you to come. Have your way in me. Have your way in us. We need you. And God, I pray right now for those in this room who may not have ever called out to you before. If you're here today and you know that you've never called out to God and asked Him to come into your life, the Scriptures say that God loved you so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross for you. That while you were sinners and separated from Him, Jesus demonstrated no greater love than, than this, than He laid down His life for you. And all you have to do, the Scriptures say, is to call out to Him to believe in your heart that He died for you, to call out to Him and confess Him with your mouth that you want Him to be your Lord. And at that moment, He will give you the right to become a child of Him. He will save you and make you His. And if you've never done that, you can do it right here, right now. Dear God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Come in and make me new. Help me to put my faith and trust in you. I call out to you, Lord Jesus. Come in and be my Savior. And for those of you out there who already know Jesus as your Savior, you know your walk in this life without the filling of the Holy Spirit. You're walking through your days struggling, and instead of having joy and peace and patience, you're dealing with life in the flesh. And you need the power of Jesus in your life. And if that's you, call out to Say to him, Jesus, come into my life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me with your presence. Give me the strength that I need to walk the life that you've called me to walk. Give me the boldness and courage that I need to share my faith with my friends. That they would come to know you. As our worship team leads us in a couple closing songs, I want to invite you to, to listen and to respond. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning, seek Him. Ask Him to give you the courage and the boldness to take whatever the next step it is that He's leading you to take. If you've given your heart to Jesus this morning, or you've been like, yeah, I don't know, then do it right now. Come find one of us. We have prayer team people around the room, I'll be up here in the front. Go to one of them and say, I just need prayer. 
I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need prayer. I need the power of God in my life. And we are here to pray for you. If you want to stand up and worship our God and King together, let's do that as well. But let's seek Him together. As we are praying during our second song, I want to invite all those going to student camp this week, adult chaperones and students. Uh, wait till our second song, and I want you to come on up, and we're going to pray over you before we send you out. But let's listen, and let's respond. Let's call on God to have his way in us. Join me now. Let's worship. Let's pray.